You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 335 and 336 of Fed by Ravens, where we are talking through every chapter of the Bible in a year. We're glad you're with us. We are uh, rounding the corner in the last month. We're in month 12 of this awesome endeavor, and let's just get to it, man. Today's OT is... Our Old Testament for today is Daniel chapter 7 through chapter 9, verse 19. So Daniel does a little jump back. Jump back. He jumps back. So if you're reading along, we just went through, all the way through Daniel in the lion's den. Mm -hmm. And that's with Darius, the leader of the Persian, the Medes. Medes. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've taken over what we all thought up until this point would be the impenetrable Babylon. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. the whole world is like crazy right now because the impossible has happened. And now Daniel, in his book, in his kind of writings, he goes back to before Darius. Yes, he jumps back to uh, Belshazzar, who saw the writing on the wall. Right. Uh, so the theme of the rest of these chapters are now dealing with Daniel's own personal visions he's received from the Lord. Before, it was his dealings with uh, the authorities of the kingdoms, that were ruling at the time, mm-hmm. and maybe their visions that they saw, but now he is dealing with his own personal visions from God. Yeah, and so there's going to be two crazy visions, one with uh, four, well, three different animals and some kind of unnatural creature, mm-hmm. and then his other one, he has another vision, which is going to be when he's awake, he sees the ram and the goat. Yes. So we're just breaking those up. So two visions, four... The people of God, right? Yes. Or no, the, the one's for the world, and then the next one I say is for the for people, people of God. God. Yeah. So let's go to the one kind of for the world. Yeah, so this one actually parallels the vision that Nebuchadnezzar saw with the statue of yes. the four uh, medals. Right. And so now he sees uh, four beasts. Uh, the three are, are pretty identifiable as... Uh, uh, Babylon, Medes, Persians, and Greece. So the lion with eagle's wings that are yeah. plucked, standing like a man with the mind of a man. Yeah. Sound familiar? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. Mm-hmm. Then the bear has three ribs in his mouth. He's devoured mm-hmm. flesh. Yeah, so that could be like the Medes and the Persians, and then we have the uh, jaguar or panther or whatever. And I that's... had leopard in my... Oh, yeah. Four wings, four heads, total dominion. Yeah, and that's uh, the empire established, like could be, the empire established by um, Alexander the Great. And then the not, the unnatural yeah, beast. Yeah, the, the cyborg beast. Yeah, it has iron teeth, it stomps and breaks everything into pieces. There's ten horns coming mm-hmm. out of its head. Could be Rome. And then from the ten horns <clears throat> comes a little horn, mm-hmm. which kind of pushes out three other horns. Yes. And then has eyes and a mouth, speaking yeah. great and terrible things. Yeah. So, again, we, when you read Daniel, you have to understand uh, the, the language that's being used. So it's vision. Mm-hmm. It's a, a, what's the word? Uh, apocalyptic literature. literature. So it's full of symbolism. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's making Daniel sick to his stomach because mm-hmm. what he's seeing is all the, whole, or all the empires of the earth are going to be shaken up. 
And yeah. then over all the big ones, all the four heads, the four corners of the earth, basically on a political level, are going to be shook up. And there's this terrifying beast with horns that's mm-hmm. going to come and he, straight up go against the people of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's just seeing like all these kingdoms rising and falling, but they're all persecuting and crushing the people of God. And uh, one kind of uh, like identifier, too, is that the four kingdoms or four beasts come out of the the sea which is always a a place of chaos like that's like kind of a theme that's always like if you're coming out of the sea it's like chaos and demonic and then so but the main point of all of this is he's seeing these nations he's seeing these things happen and they're scary but he sees then god he sees the ancient days yeah so i was just thinking god then He's spoken clearly to us now in Jesus. So when mm-hmm. you look back, realize you're not missing out. On, what am I missing out? It's the theme is yeah. God's in control. There is a great mm-hmm. enemy out there against all nations. Right. Okay, so then we know this because he meets the, he sees the throne of the ancient of days. Yes. It's so cool. Like it describes God again. You start to see at this far on our last month of reading the whole Bible, you start to recognize these these little words that in the past I'd just read over, like clothing as white as snow, mm-hmm. uh, fiery flames all around. And its know. wheels are burning on fire. So he's on a throne that has wheels, very much like a, what Ezekiel saw. Right. So it's like consistent. I'm thinking of a, uh, a segue on fire. Oh, cool. Like it can just go any direction, <laughs> like represent the spirit of God. So, yeah. so white is snow on top of a mountain, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about the foundations of the earth, the mountains where God meets his mm-hmm. people, the mountains that are at war with each other. The mountains are pure. They're white. He's glowing. He's pure. He's burning. It's just like Mount Sinai where mm-hmm. the law was. Anyway, all these things come to my head when I see this vision of God. Yeah. Like this is consistent with how he's been showing up since uh, Exodus. Yeah, and then he's um, attended to by thousands upon thousands of angels, know, right? like beyond count, and he sits in judgment over the the nations and specifically over the tiny horn that was speaking blasphemy, and he kills it. Did you see the, uh, the books were opened? Mm-hmm. And I, I just started thinking, like, oh, that's one thing that happens at baptism. Mm-hmm. God adopts you and writes your name. Like, and, you're one of my kids. Yeah. And so the books are opened. He speaks judgment over the horn. And that horn was that little horn out of the ten. It was, like, the 11th horn. Mm-hmm. It's speaking terrible things. It's, like, trying to destroy and... Is that right? Yeah, it was, yeah. Destroying, it was trying to destroy the um, people of God. And, the, but, and we could talk about who that could be yeah. blah 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 but the point of that doesn't really matter what matters is god destroys it and that it's persecution only lasts for a time and this is where people go though like trying to understand revelation yeah with the mark of the beast and there is an antichrist yeah there is this horn a leader that rises up um but the idea is just god not only uh, kills the beast and destroys its body and just gives it over to be burned. It's not a big deal for the Ancient of Days to take care of him. Then he sees like the vision of Christ, right? Now, okay, so we have the four beasts that came out of the chaos sea. Yeah. Now we have someone who comes from the clouds of heaven. And this is so, chapter seven. Yeah, so we get another, another person, 
entering in, but now he's coming from a different place. He's coming from the clouds of heaven instead of the sea of the earth. And it looks like one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Boom. King Jesus, man. Jesus. The vision. Amazing. No, no doubt about that one. Yeah. That's what's so funny is like we want to spend our time trying to figure out mm-hmm. who the enemies are. We know. Yeah. We already know when you know who the king is, it doesn't matter who the enemy is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Daniel's vision then is interpreted. Yeah, and so again, he's so uh, what's, he's anxious and alarmed and like scared, knock kneed, like uh. Yeah, so what's interesting too is he um so he God used him, the spirit of God spoke through him to interpret all these other kings' visions, but he has his own vision. He's like, I don't understand it. And so he goes to one of the angels that's attending and asks probably Gabriel, right? Yeah, like, hey, um, what's happening? Yes, yes. <laughs> and I mean, and again, he just kind of describes like, okay, well, all of these are four kingdoms, but they look bad, but the Lord's going to destroy them. Right. And that's where... Um, and he he'll breaks, set up an eternal kingdom. Right. He breaks it down. He's like, look, you, it reminded me of the meek shall inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. Basically, the angel's like, yeah, you're, you're with the right king. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does explain, this is where, I guess the church... The historic church has understood this; these next sections to describe what happens. Or no, is that the next? That's vision? the next section. Next section. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. The next section we get more. That's right. Specific, but this is like kind of a general. Like, God rules. God rules. There are going to rise up kingdoms that will persecute God's people, but God is establishing an eternal kingdom with. Uh, one who will reign forever and ever. Perfect. So that's like the universal yes. uh, application, yes. vision. He gets a second vision. This one is, it's like he's not dreaming. He's not sleeping. He's awake. He's awake. And this one I thought was for the specific people. This is for the Jewish, the the people of God, yes. This is for like the immediate history in between, right. what we would call the intertestamental. Inter- intertestamental. Yes, that's what it is. Testamental period. That's right. Um, <clears throat> and it's to give hope because again, things are gonna look out of control and things are gonna look intense. Yeah. But God again is saying, "I'm in control of all things." So, this is the one that Gabriel interprets for him. Right? Yes. Can we just do the what it is and the interpretation yeah. with it? Oh yeah, Because totally. in the original text, he does the dream and then he comes back, back and gets yeah. the interpretation. Yeah. So he sees, uh, he sees a ram. With two horns, one horn's greater than the other, and this ram is running across the earth unopposed until a goat. Well, and so Gabriel says, "That's media. That's the Persian Empire, right? That's the Medes and the Persians. The Medes yes. and the Persians. Two and one horn is greater than the other yeah, one, yeah. and it came later. So Persia came after the mm-hmm. Medes, and it's dominating the whole area. Yes. Then a flying ram, a goat, or a goat. I'm sorry, a unigoat. Yeah, a unigoat. Basically, mm-hmm. there's a male goat." With one horn in between its eyes. And it's growing so quickly, it looks like it's flying, is the idea. Yes, and it's just flying around, and it crushes the ram. It breaks the two horns, <laughs> uh, defeats the ram. No one can save the ram. The goat is running around, and it looks like no one can destroy this goat. This but is, and then the interpretation is, this is the Greece. This is Greece. Alexander the Great. This is Alexander the Great, 
and then the horn breaks when basically Alexander the Great dies, and four horns grow up, because right. what we know from history is four kingdoms actually are established. Uh, there's four generals that uh, break up Alexander's yep. territory. And uh, and then, wasn't there one of them? Yeah, so one horn turned into four, and then there was a little horn that grew from, yeah. from one, and they became great. Yes. And that's that's the one that's going to trample the temple, trample mm-hmm. the people of God. Stop sacrifices, all uh, this stuff. And it had like for 2,300 evenings, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's like seven year seven. period. Mm-hmm. And so what history has shown, I think that's where the Antiochus the fourth, he rose up and was like defiles the temple of God with worshiping Zeus in it. He's a reign of terror. And so this is after, this is well after the people go back are allowed to go back to Jerusalem, yes. rebuild the temple, sacrifice, sacrifices started up again, and then Antiochus comes across, comes upon the scene, takes over Jerusalem, uh, uses the temple for uh, Zeus, and this is where like Maccabees and all that stuff kind of um, recounts this right. history. But uh, so and the question there though is going to be the people of God during this time are going to say how long? Yeah, how long is and this so going to last? This vision is, this vision actually is, it sounds weird and again in, mm-hmm. in isolation you're like what? But this is what God has been doing since Jacob, like mm-hmm. in Isaiah and Jeremiah, mm-hmm. showing things that haven't happened yet yep. to prepare you for the desert, to prepare you for the the exile. That and so we're right in the middle of it. But the idea, again, is that God is going to still be there. He's not, even though it's going to look like this to the people of God reading it much later, God will still be the one. Uh, he's going to appoint the end. And, and he's going to save his people. And he's going to defend. And he, and he destroys, it says the little horn dies by no human hand. And uh, in history, uh, Antiochus goes insane and dies. There you go. Uh, also, you, you'll see, I think, in Revelation when you come back and, and look at light of Daniel, mm-hmm. this is describing, this could be described, describing heavenly battles that are mm-hmm. going on, perhaps at the time of Christ. Yes. Like this could be happening in a heavenly reality uh, or, and it works itself out on an earthly reality. There's like, we've been saying with the prophets, there's an application for right now yep. and there's an application for future spiritual. It's, yes. There's two kingdoms we live in. So that's, what's so confusing when you read this with only one kingdom in mind mm-hmm. You have the answers. Christ is the answer. Right. And so we're looking back and seeing God's faithfulness to his people in exile to prepare them when things look bad. Hold on. I am in control. And I, chapter 9 is like a sweet little gem. Is yeah. It, is it not? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we skip jump to, like, Darius again. Yes. And so the Medes are have taken Babylon, and at this point, Daniel is going over with prayer and fasting over all of the um, prophetic writings and the law and all the scriptures that they're like all the scribes are now gathering. Yeah. And Daniel's going over them, and I'm realizing, oh, Daniel didn't have access to Jeremiah Not right yet. away, right? Because he was in exile. It's too contemporary. Well, yeah, and he was in exile while Jeremiah was speaking and writing these things, yeah. and so he finally now it's like. 60, 70 years later, has access to the writings of Jeremiah, and he's going over it and realizing, oh, the Lord appointed 70 years for us to be in exile. And so now 
Daniel is doing what is an awesome corporate confession yeah. for the people of God. This is the great... Uh, I, this prayer is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes through, and it works perfectly with reading through the whole Bible. You see everything in it, like mm-hmm. the mention of God's steadfast and love and then the forgiveness, and we've even referring back to, we deserve your curse. Yeah. I mean... Like you told us about all of this stuff in Deuteronomy. Yeah, I mean, and he goes back to, he starts with, oh, I figured out we were going to be here 70 years. Yes. And for us to get out of this 70 years, like to complete it, he is leading like the nation or wanting to in let's break the curse, let's ask for forgiveness. Um, And kind of as the uh, most powerful Israelite at this time, he is kind of the king... Yeah. And is leading as a spokesman for the people. I mean, and, and confessing to God, like, Lord, we have broken your commandments and have deserved this exile. Please hear us, forgive us, and return us to our land. I mean, listen to the prayer of your servant, to the pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O oh Lord, make your face to shine upon your mm-hmm. sanctuary, which is desolate. And he goes on about incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations, the city that is called by your name. Um, Oh, I love this. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Yeah. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, oh, my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. I mean, what else can we say? Perfect prayer. That's perfectly understanding the situation. God is in control. You are not. Cling to him. I know, and this is so cool, too, because God is actually going to answer this prayer in our next episode. I can't wait. Woo! J- Daniel chapter 9. I, I want to remember that and pray that at certain times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Remind me to pray that at certain times. I love Thanks, Daniel. Our New Testament reading for today is 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 through chapter 3, verse 10. John, talking to people who he loves like a father, mm-hmm. almost breaks down the family here in chapter 2, verse 12. He's like, I'm writing to you, little children, again, this is a very fatherly, uh, they may not always be little tiny children, there could, this could be, again, this could be their children, but it's also to children in the Lord. Yes. You're all new to the faith, yes. and it's important to take that. When you come to faith or someone believes in Christ, look at them as newborn babes, who need nurture and care. How mm-hmm. else will they know these things if you don't love them and care for them? So he breaks it down with like, you're brand new into this, your sins are forgiven. If you're a father in this, you know the, the creator who's mm-hmm. from the beginning. A young man, you're strong. And then he cycles back around. It looks like a poem. It is a poem, yep. So uh, fathers, you know from the beginning. Young men, you're strong. But the idea is that it's the word of God that abides in you. Mm-hmm. That's how we're going to overcome all the evil. Yes. Because the setup, I don't know, you want to give the setup, just remind us the context of John's biggest battles right now are two extremes. Yeah, so either uh, works righteousness, you save yourself through your own works, or uh, you save yourself through secret knowledge. Which is so funny, not haha funny, but ironic because um, when we today approach this book, if you approach this book looking for, con- like, without context. Yeah. It will make you feel like it is all works righteousness, or you'll oh, somehow so finagle it. I just it. need to know about Jesus and I'm good? 
or it'll be like, oh my goodness, I am not good because mm-hmm. I'm still a sinner. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to learn is something more beautiful than all that, and that is that it's the Word of God that abides in you. Mm-hmm. And we'll explain. It's His righteousness, but it has to be protected. And so the way this Word of God is protected uh, for John right here is don't love the world, you guys. Mm-hmm. Like He has to remind them, like He has to remind us today that whoever loves the world and by love the world, it means you're ordering your life according to how the world does. So what's mm-hmm. important to the world? is Money, success. Pleasure. Is that what's guiding all your decisions mm-hmm. in your life? Then you are friends with the world. You are right. following in the You're letting the world set the agenda for your life, mm-hmm. which sadly is very easy yeah. to happen. Easy, yeah. And he's like, the world, though, is passing away and along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So he's like, we're part of a world that abides forever. Right. So that's kind of a law-driven law statement. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, my life is kind of looking like that. And then he keeps going, and, and here's the bigger deal. Again, these books go so well together, like Daniel and mm-hmm. now First John, because guess who First John brings up? Antichrist. The Antichrist. Yeah, and for John, it's Antichrists, and he clearly defines it as anyone who is against... Christ, who does yeah, not believe. Yeah, so, so the word antichrist, if you just, it's actually like instead of Christ. Yes. So anyone that points to anything, like a way of salvation or a way of life, that's instead of Christ. Right. Do this instead of Christ. Be better instead of, instead of looking to Christ. Um, that's not from God. Because God, no matter where we're at, if we are doing well, we look to Christ. If we're doing poorly, we look to Christ. Right. We always are centered on Christ. And so anyone who's pointing you away from Christ is an antichrist. And the urgency is, they again, John doesn't know when Christ is coming back. Right. But he's like, don't believe leaders mm-hmm. and shepherds and prophets and pastors who are taking you away from Christ. Right. Christ is the eternal king whose kingdom is established and will reign forever. Well, let's just say that. Let's just say it then. The idea here is, you're, and then we'll talk about the, the actual verses. Mm-hmm. He's going to say, like, do good things, but don't count on those good things. Right. Um, and then the idea is, well, so I do nothing. No, don't do nothing. <laughs> right. So what do I do? And so here's the main idea, is you don't look to your life for assurance of salvation. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I've been pretty good. I haven't been bad with money. Right. Or my diet's been good. Or I haven't sinned. I'm doing all right. No. That shouldn't give you assurance. No. The same way, oh, I'm doing I'm doing bad. I am doing those things. I don't even know if I'm saved. I keep doing the same sin. Don't look for that for assurance of your being lost. Right. He's saying you look to Christ for assurance, not your sin and not your good works. Mm-hmm. You look to Christ. And so that's why he's so, he's like, you, all the antichrists are telling you to look at your life. Yes. They're telling you to look at the good I'm doing or the good money that's coming in, look at all that fruit. Or the bad I'm doing. Right. They're saying look at the fruit for assurance. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you look to Christ. And that's where he, he goes over and over again. You have been anointed by the Holy One. Mm-hmm. And you all have knowledge because you have the knowledge. You have the works. I write to you. He says I write to you like three or four times because he wants you to know the truth. I write to you about these things because I don't want you to be deceived. Mm-hmm. And then he says, um, now little children abide in him so that when he appears, you may have confidence. And how do you abide in him? 
you practice righteousness. Oh, wait, so it's good works again? So then he goes on yeah. in chapter 3. No, no, this is what the, the love of the Father has given to us. Mm-hmm. We are children of God. We just are. By faith in him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as pure. So he's saying, like, you, by faith, you are a child of God. Mm -hmm. But then he says, but if you keep practicing sin, see, this is, you have to read the whole book, because he's cycling around. Because he's going back and forth between works righteousness and then just, well, cool, I said a prayer once and I'm good. And then he's like, uh, so if you keep sinning, that's a problem. Little children, let no one deceive you. Mm -hmm. So practice righteousness. Yeah, and so when he says... um, when he says, uh, if you practice sinning or practice righteousness, again, it's not like if you practice righteousness, you're no longer sinning, you're sinless. He's already said, if, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar, and you make God out to be a liar. He's already said that in chapter 1. Right. The practice, though, it's the idea of I'm confidently just going to, I know God's law, and I'm going to confidently go against it because I don't care. Yes. He's like, no, no. That's not a good sign. <laughs> well, and he says, those who were with us left us, and we know they're not with us because they left us. But when he says with us, and he says righteousness, his definition of righteousness is the biblical definition, yeah. which is he believed God, and it was counted Counting to him as righteousness. Right. Yeah. So like, if you're practicing trusting God in, because you've sinned or because you've done good, you're trusting God, then he says... You are righteous. So whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So he's like, true righteousness is to love God, and then he will produce love for your yeah. brother. And he'll actually give you love for God. Yeah. It can get confusing if you're trying to put the cart before the horse. You're trying to prove to yourself that you're saved. This book will crush you. Yeah. Or if you're trying to be uh, licentious and do whatever you want and say, oh, I'm good because I believe this book should crush you. Mm-hmm. This little book should assure you and comfort you if you can get the one idea. Look to Christ. Mm-hmm. That's how you practice righteousness because he is your righteousness. Yes. That's how we stand before God in the righteousness of Christ. Look to Christ for assurance. My brothers and sisters, don't believe the lies that want to take you away from that. Thanks, John. read a proverbs instead of a psalm i know we haven't been dealing with the proverbs very much but uh we only have so much time in this podcast uh but today the proverbs is really good and kind of lines up with what we've been reading about so today's reading is proverbs 29 verses 10 through 18 bloodthirsty men hate one who is blameless and seek the life of the upright a fool gives full vent to his spirit but a wise man quietly holds it back. If a ruler listens to falsehood, all his officials will be wicked. The poor man and the oppressor meet together. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. If a king faithfully judges the poor, his throne will be established forever. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will look upon their downfall. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. 
Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.